God is good, and sometimes life isn't. Let's not confuse the two, right? We've been talking about planning for promoting this series for a long time, and today's the day. Three churches, one topic. For the next four weeks, we're going to go after what I consider to be the Mount Rushmore of mental health. Um, there's a lot more topics that we could deal with or we could go after, but uh, for the next four weeks, we're going to go after burnout, uh, depression, anxiety, and fear. Um, and, and, and part of the reason that we're doing this is, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, uh, but over the last couple years, we've been dealing with more of those four things than we have in probably my entire lifetime. Um, more people are dealing with more burnout more anxiety, more fear, more depression than, um, than we have in a really long time. So we want to go after these, thing, these, these topics in a way um, that um, in, engages them in a biblically informed way, but also in a practically helpful way. Um, it, we, we want to, 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 to give you, like when, when Grant and Nate and I sat down and started planning out this series, we wanted to do it in such a way that was helpful for our, our, our communities, you know, Grace Point, Western Hills, and Countryside Christian, but we also wanted to do it in such a way that equips you to leave this place and be the hands and feet of Jesus come into this place. We want to be the kind of church that blesses our community even if they never show up in ours. And so one of the things that we want to do is we want to put resources in your hand. We're going to talk about some of those things uh, throughout the series. But we have an entire um, table of resources in the lobby, from books to podcasts um, to, to resources for your kids, for your teenagers. Um, it's got an entire list of referrals for, for professional counselors in Topeka that we would suggest um, that you spend some time looking over. So all of that stuff is there, again, not just for us. It is for us. It is for you. But we also want to equip you um, to leave this place and be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. We want to go after. We want to go after some mental health issues in our community and we want to be a blessing in such a way that it's helpful. So um, that's, that's part of the way that we want to, to talk. Remember, this series is not called Tim Talks. This series is called Let's Talk. As well, if you're, if you're joining us online. But that's just a way for you to ask questions, um, to, to, to be involved in this series. And then in part five, the, the last part of this series, I've actually invited a panel of, of professional licensed Christian counselors to come, and they're going to answer as many of those questions as we can get to. So we're just going to have one big old family counseling session in part five of this series. So ask away, um, use that as a resource, um, as, as a way that, okay, we didn't really talk about that. Can we talk about that in part five? Um, so let's jump in. All of these topics that we're covering are not unique to our generation, right? This is, this is not unique years. Um, they've been called different things. Um, they've been treated in, in different ways. Um, but there's just a couple things I want to say in, 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 in introduction. All four of these things are equal opportunity infectors, okay? That means doesn't really, they, they, they infect people regardless of what they believe. Regardless of what they believe about God, regardless of what they believe about the afterlife, regardless of what they believe about the Bible. And, and one of the reasons I wanted to go after this 
in this series is because the church has too often, and when I say church, I mean Big C Church, has swung in one direction or the other. We've either been completely silent on it or we've been completely dysfunctional about it. And I think there's just a better way. There's a third way for us uh, to go about doing this. So working through mental health is so much more layered and nuanced than just believing the right things or ascribing to the right doctrine or praying the right things or going to church more often. It's just so much more layered and so much more nuanced than that. So uh, one of the ways that I want to just kind of point that out is to give you a little bit of a snapshot into my life. Um, What we're going after today hits home a little bit for me because I've experienced this, or I think I've experienced this to some degree. Um, So let me give you a little bit of a a, a snapshot into Tim's life. Um, Leading anything through COVID was difficult, but leading a church through COVID had its unique challenges, okay? Um, Everybody had the normal stuff that was going on. Um, We all had, you know, you've got marriage stuff, you've got kids stuff, you've got home repairs, you've got car repairs, you've got work stuff, you've got all of that stuff. And then there was just this wave after wave after wave. There's, There's the election cycle, and then there was the racial stuff, the racial tensions. Then there was the vaccine debates. Then there was the mask debates. Then there was the school debates. And it just seemed like there was wave after wave after wave after wave. And I'm, I'm not saying this for pity. Please don't hear that. But anytime you lead something with people on both sides of those issues, it affects your mental health. It affects your mental health because you love people on both sides of those issues. And you don't want to see this anger. You don't want to see this bickering. You don't want to see this, this fighting happen. And so it, it, out of 20 years of ministry, this stretch of leading a church has been the most difficult that I've ever experienced in my life. On top of that, I decided to go back to school and get a master's degree. And I started that in October of 2020. And, and that's, that added another layer of stress. It's a good stress, but, but it added another layer of stress. And it kind of all came to a head last fall. Um, I was already, I was already, and I, this sounds extreme, but I was already kind of running on fumes to some degree. Um, when we just, my family and I, we just hit an extremely busy stretch. It seemed like there was a wedding or a funeral like every other week for about four months. And some of those funerals were not easy. There's never an easy funeral. But some of them, just, they just take a little bit more out of you. Um, the, on, on top of that, our kids' schedule was going crazy. My school schedule was heavier than I had ever experienced. And I just felt overwhelmed. And as I look back on that point, on that stretch... I think what happened, and and I don't have a professional diagnosis for you. I don't have a doctor's note. But I think what happened was I was experiencing burnout. I I got to a point where my energy level was just, it was done. I didn't recognize it as burnout. Um, Nobody used that word. But emotionally, you know, mentally, um, for, for close to two years, you'd had this tension And then I'd redline it for about four months, and that just does a number on you. So I was getting getting out of bed every morning. I was doing what needed to be done. Everything looked pretty normal on the outside, but on the inside, I was a little bit of a mess. Just a little bit of a mess. 
And, and I always, always want Grace Point to be a place where it's okay not to be okay. But it's a little bit different when you're the pastor, right? It's just, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but I was, I was a little bit of a mess and I wasn't sure what to do because here's, here's where I was. What do you do when you experience something you've never experienced before? What do you do when you don't have language or you don't have a handle to grab onto and say, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm doing. What do you do with emotions that are revolving around that? And so, so I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I've done a little reading and a little digging on this. And here's what I found. I, I found there's basically two kinds of burnout. The first one, and I'm pretty sure this is the, the, the official medical term for it, it's like falling off a cliff, okay? I'm pretty sure that's the official medical term for it. But this is, this is when, you know, when you fall off a cliff, you just lose control. You have nothing to grab onto. You got no foundation. You're just kind of in free fall. Some of you experienced this before. Maybe you're experiencing it right now. You're just overwhelmed. Um, you're, you're, you're the kind of tired. You're the kind of exhausted that sleep doesn't really do anything for um, you're going hundred miles a minute. And, and here's some of the things that you think, if I could just get to such and such a date, if I can just get past this stretch, if I can just get to then, then I'll be okay. You feel like, okay, if I could just grab onto something here, I'll be fine. But when you're falling off a cliff, there's nothing to hold on to. So that's, that's, that's one type of burnout. The other type of burnout is what I'll just call low grade burnout. And again, I'm not a doctor. Don't quote me on this, but I think this is where I was. You just have this low grade. You get out of bed every day, you go to work, you don't really talk about it because you don't know what you're dealing with, but you, 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 the functions of life continue, but the joy of life kind of starts to drift, starts to, starts to fade. And, and even if it's low grade, like I'll say this, I still think you should talk to somebody. I still think you should find a trusted friend who's going to speak grace and truth into your life, into your heart. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe, it's, maybe it is a counselor. I don't know. I still think you should talk to somebody because the functions of life continue, but the joy of life starts to slip. So what I want to do is I want to show you something that was helpful for me. Um, again, if you're there, if you feel like you're there, you might be there. Maybe somebody you love might be there. Just some signs of burnout that were helpful for me. And I actually got this from um, an author, a writer, a blogger, a pastor named Carrie Newhoff, who actually wrote a book um, called At Your Best. Um, one of our board members actually gave me this. Thank you, Gerilyn. Um, she gave me this for Christmas. And this was, this was something in reading this and kind of exploring some of these things um, helped me get some handles on this, helped give me some words, helped give me some things to kind of get my mind around what was I, what I was experiencing. He, in the book, <clears throat> he actually provides a quiz that you can take to help you kind of figure out, am I, am I experiencing that? The quiz, I'm, we're going to put the link up on uh, the screen. You can see it there um, if you're watching online. Take a picture of that. Check it out later. It's free. It'll take you five to ten minutes. Um, but I just want to walk through the 11 signs of burnout that he talks about. I, there might be more than 11. There might be less than 11. I don't know. But here's, here's kind of the 11 things that he talks about that I'm borrowing from Carrie. Here they are. Number one, uh, your passion fades. Your passion fades. Some of you are pretty passionate. You're optimistic. You're driven. And if you start to get burnout, some of that stuff, it starts to fade. And again, you still believe Jesus, still come to church. You're still doing the stuff, but... The passion isn't there like it used to. You still love your spouse. 
Still love your kids. It's, it's not like you're going to turn and run. It's just the, the, some of the passion, some of the joy is gone. You still go to work, still take care of your responsibilities, but there's a sense in which you're just kind of going through the motions. That's a sign of burnout. The second sign, you no longer feel the highs or lows. This is something that I am learning more about right now. Like it's normal to feel emotional highs and emotional lows. Your high might be a little bit higher than mine or your lows might be lower than mine. But, but these emotions are, are, are God-given gifts. And, and when we don't feel those as much, um, that's probably a sign that you're, you're going to burn. It's, it's, it's like driving from Salina to Lyman, Kansas on I-70. It's just flat, <laughs> right? There's just not much there. There's this sense of numbness. Not a lot of highs, not a lot of lows. That's a sign of burnout. Number three, little things make you disproportionately emotional. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or if you're a guy, disproportionately angry. Ooh. Right? Like if your eight-year-old doesn't load the dishwasher right, it's a three out of 10, but you go into full nuclear meltdown and make it 11 out of 10. That's probably a sign that you're flirting with burnout. Bad drivers, oh Lord, right? Your team loses, slow internet. Actually, that's probably justifiable right there, <laughs> right? There's all these little things that shouldn't make us angry or shouldn't make us emotional, but there's like this disproportionate response to what we're dealing with. That could be a sign of burnout. Here's number four. Everybody drains you. Okay? That is not a joke. That's actually a sign. Like we all have certain people that drain us. That's normal. But when everybody drains you, that could be a sign of burnout. And some of you are like, I think I might have been burnout since I was born. <laughs> Did I mention we have a list of professional counselors? <laughs> you might want to check that out. Number five, you're becoming cynical. It's a sign. We should probably come back to this and spend an entire week on it. Cynicism is the warm-up band for burnout. Right? Like, like you, used to, you used to think the best about people, but now you don't think the best about anybody or anything. It's a sign. A burnout. How about this one? Nothing satisfies you. You go to Hawaii on vacation. You come back. You're showing everybody the pictures. And your friend's like, oh, that looks beautiful. That must have been so much fun. And on the outside, you're like, yeah, it was awesome. But on the inside, you're like, uh, eh. Because nothing satisfies you. Food, time off, sex, relationships, TV, nothing. Nothing satisfies you. That's a sign. How about number seven? You can't think straight. Um, Burnout is somewhat physical, somewhat mental, somewhat emotional. And because it affects our brain, sometimes our brain just doesn't work how it's supposed to. This is one of the reasons why guys my age or a little bit older than me get into trouble. Right? Fellas, it's a great tip. Get a post-it note. If you get into a moment like this, you get into a season like this where your brain's not working right, get a post-it note and write three things on it and put it somewhere where you will see it every single day. Here's the three things. Don't cheat on my wife. Don't quit my job. Don't buy a Ferrari. Okay? Because that's the, that's, the, that's the old midlife crisis starter pack right there. And when your brain's not working right, you just need to be reminded 
hey, my brain's not working right. What do I need to be? I need to be reminded of truth <laughs> over and over and over again. Number eight, your productivity is dropping. Things that used to take 10 minutes take an hour. You're working 12 hours a day, but you can't seem to accomplish anything. This is, this is why first responders and the medical field felt so burnt out during COVID because they're constantly going and it doesn't feel like they can get anywhere. Doesn't feel like they're making any difference. Doesn't feel like it's doing any good. This is, this is typical of people who, are, who are, are dealing with burnout. They just can't be as productive as they want to be. Number nine, this is huge in our culture. You're self-medicating. Hear me. Emotional pain is real. Mental pain is real. But as a follower of Jesus, there are just some things that, are, that aren't an option for me. Like, I'm not going to do drugs. I'm not do the pharmacist shuffle. I got a pharmacist over here that doesn't know about this one over here. I'm, I'm not going to get into alcohol because one drink leads to two, two leads to three, and then I'm drinking every day, then you're drinking all day, or you're getting high every day. And as a follower of Jesus, I just don't think that's an option for me. But that, that's kind of the low-hanging fruit. It can go beyond that. You might not be an alcoholic, but you might be a workaholic. Like, like, you can get fired for drinking too much. If you work too much, you get promoted and raised. This is one of the things Kerry says in his book, workaholism is one of the most rewarded addictions in our country. And the, 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 the terrible thing about it is it just increases burnout because you're going and going and going and going. That could be a sign if you're self-medicating. Number 10, you don't laugh anymore. This one kind of goes along with not getting too high or low emotionally. You struggle to find joy in things. You don't really laugh anymore. And then the last one, sleep and time off no longer refuel you. You take a vacation. You come back, but you feel worse, not better. Get eight hours of sleep every night for a week, but you still feel drained because burnout can lead to a place that's deeper than exhaustion. There's a place where we can get where sleep and time away just doesn't, doesn't help. So if you identify with two or three of those, welcome to life, right? We all deal with those from time to time. There's, you can identify with five to six. Maybe you've got low-grade burnout and you need to talk with somebody about that. If you've got nine to 11 in these in your life, it's probably time to talk to a doctor. It's probably time to talk to a counselor, get to the bottom of that, figure out what, what, what the root of that is. And, and again, I don't want to sit up here and give a whole bunch of platitudes and bumper sticker Christian sayings. But one of the things I do want to remind you of is that if you're there, you're not alone. You're not alone. One of the things that burnout does is it kind of forces you to isolate. We're, going to see, we're actually going to see that in the story today. That we, 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 we hold people, we hold community at arm's length. But I, I just want to remind you, you're not alone. So if you have a Bible or a mobile device, find 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings is in the Old Testament. If you don't have a Bible or a mobile device, we'll throw these verses up on the screen. This is, this is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. Um, revolves around the prophet Elijah. Elijah lived thousands of years before um, Jesus, and um, he's, he's reached the pinnacle of his career as a prophet. Like, people are going to talk about what he does here for thousands of years. We're still talking about it today. But here's, here's what's happening. Um, there was the God of Israel, Yahweh, um, the God who we believe revealed himself in Jesus. 
And then you have a God that was known as Baal. And in Elijah's time, there's this constant kind of back and forth between those prophets of Yahweh and the prophets of Baal. And one day it comes down to a standoff between these two opposing sides. And they go to Mount Carmel and build an altar. They slaughter a bull. And then they basically say, let's find out whose dad is bigger. Like, whosoever God lights this sacrifice on fire, that's the one true God. And so the prophets of Baal go first, and they start dancing, and they start chanting, they start praying, and Elijah's over here making fun of them. It's, it's a great story. you got to read it, okay? Um, they eventually get to the point where they start cutting themselves because they're trying to get the attention of their God, but no fire from heaven comes, um, and, and their turn is over. And then it was Elijah's turn. And I just want you to see how confident Elijah was in this moment in Yahweh, okay? He has the bull, he has the altar, he has the rocks, he has the wood, he has all of it just drenched over and over and over and over again with water. So much so that the trench around the altar starts to fill up with, all, with water. It's like, you guys can't even get your God to pay attention to you. Mine is about to blow your mind. And he steps back and he prays and fire from heaven comes and burns all of it. The bull, the, 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 the wood, the rocks, all the water, it's gone completely. Elijah's God. Yahweh showed up. He is, in fact, the one true God. And, and Elijah has all the prophets of Baal slaughtered. He's won the day, right? Like this is... He, won, he just won the Super Bowl of prophets, right? But there's a problem. Because the king and queen on the throne don't worship Yahweh. They worship Baal. And that's where we pick up our story. First Kings, starting in verse 1, chapter 19. Now, Ahab, who's the king, told Jezebel, the queen... Everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel, who actually wore the royal pants in the relationship, okay? She was the queen, but she was actually the one who called the shots. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. In other words, you killed my prophets, I'm going to kill you. Elijah did everything he was supposed to do. Elijah did exactly what God asked him to do. God showed up, and now his life isn't in danger. And this is, this is another message for another time, but you see this all throughout Scripture. Obedience doesn't translate into safety. We need to come back to that, though. Verse 3. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. <laughs> When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, implication, alone. Elijah says, you're going to stay here. I'm going to go there. He's isolating. This is what we do on the, on the road to burnout. We push people away. We keep them at arm's length. We push against the community we were created for, like isolation in those moments. That's not just something we do. That's a path. Talked about that a couple weeks ago. It's a path. How burned out was he? He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Let's read it again. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better 
than my ancestors. Kill me now. Just, let's just end it. <laughs> Highest of highs to the lowest of lows. And, and I would love to sit up here and give you a reason why that happened. Sometimes there is no reason. Like we want answers, we want to be able to figure it out, but sometimes there isn't first moments of burnout, the pain is so deep, the frustration is so real. Some of you have been there before, some of you might be there right now. Where you think, where people think, the only way through the pain is to end the pain. That's how Elijah felt. And, and, and I don't know if he would have taken his own life, but come on, let's talk. Suicide is real. And it happens way too often, especially with that 18 to 25-year-old demographic. Some of you struggle with that demon, and it is, in fact, a demon. Jesus said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and the demon of suicide disguises itself in a lie that goes something like this. There's no future. There's no hope. There's no going back. There's no redemption here. There's no turning around. There's no rebounding. Just end it. And I just want to provide a little bit of clarity for us. There is always hope. There is always a future. There is always redemption available. Because Jesus lived, died, and beat death. If he can do that, <laughs> he can beat the demon of suicide. It's a lie. Straight from the pit of hell. Don't believe the lie. There's hope. There's help. That's where Elijah was. And again, I don't know if he would have taken his own life, but he goes from this moment of victory to I just want to die. Here's what happens. Verse 5. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. This is why I love the Bible. I love the Bible so much. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is eat a good meal and take a nap right? Like so, sometimes that's all you need. And then you get up and then you eat another good meal and take another nap. I just, I just, I just, so here's the principle. Okay. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something. And usually like when we agree with something the preacher says, like we get really excited, we'll shake our head or we'll, mm, a lot of mooing going on. Right? <laughs> but when I say this, I want your best amen preacher, come on, or hallelujah, I don't care, start running through the aisles for a little bit, okay? I don't care. I just want your best, give it to me, okay? Can we do that? All right? Because you're going to want to do it, I'm, I'm telling you. Here's, here's one of the principles from Elijah's story. You ready? You locked and loaded? Here it is. Sometimes one nap will do, and other times you need two. <laughs> The over, the over 35 crowd was the loudest there. Did you notice that? See, Elijah took a nap. 
He woke up and he ate. And then God said, do it again. Sometimes we just need a good meal and a good nap. Rest and food is a gift from God. We should enjoy it and praise him for it. That's, I, I think that's it. Look at verse 7. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. If you're Elijah, you're thinking, there's no journey ahead. This is where I'm done. I'm tapping out. I'm done. God says, no, you're not. I'm not done with you yet. There's a journey ahead. I know you can't see it. I know you don't feel it. But there's a journey. I have more for you than you can see. And I imagine Elijah grumbling a little bit here, but verse 8. So he got up. And he ate and he drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? It's a great question. It's a great question and it leads to another chapter in Elijah's life that we don't have time for today. But here's, here's my question for you. If you're in a season of burnout, if you can identify with some of the signs, a season where you're tempted to give up, come on. What are you doing here? Or what are you doing here? What are, you, what are you doing here? This isn't the end. It might feel like the end, but there's a journey. You woke up this morning with breath in your lungs. So God has more for you. What are you doing here? And maybe an even better question, the question that we all want to ask in the, in the midst of this, how do you move beyond here? How do I get past here? And, and again, I can't answer this question completely, but I do, wanna, I do wanna point you to one thing that I think was helpful for me. And I haven't figured this out. I'm in a way better place than I was in the fall. But one of the things that I just had to come to terms with was, and this is, this is from the book, okay? I'm borrowing this from Carrie. One of the things that I had to come to terms with was, I have to live in a way today that will help me thrive tomorrow. Because here's what I was doing. I was saying, well, if I can just get to Thanksgiving, I'll be all right. I just, just if I can get past this busy stretch, I'll be all right. And I kept on putting it off tomorrow and putting it off tomorrow and putting it off tomorrow. But what about today? What can I do today to live in such a way that I thrive tomorrow? So the question that I started asking myself or started to kind of think about, how am I doing spiritually, emotionally, relationally, physically, financially? So five really good questions. How am I doing spiritually, emotionally, relationally, physically, financially? I have to make sure I'm doing everything I can to fill those tanks because I know something's going to happen tomorrow. I know something's going to happen next week. And if those tanks are full, I'm going to have the energy, I'm going to have the resources to be able to handle those things. But if I don't fill those tanks today, they're going to be empty whenever that comes tomorrow. So how do I live today in such a way that I thrive tomorrow? So what do I need to do to fill my tank spiritually? What do I need to read? What do I need to listen to? What do I need to pray about? Do I need to start fasting? What, what, what are the spiritual disciplines? What do I need to invest in on a regular basis spiritually today so I can handle it, so I can thrive tomorrow? What do I need to do to fill my tank emotionally? Do I need to see a counselor? Do I need a coach? Do I need to set some goals? How, how do I become an emotionally healthy person? 
That's to fill the tank. How, what do I need to do to fill my tank relationally? Like, where are the life-giving relationships I need to be more intentional about? And what are the relationships that are draining me that I need to put some boundaries around? What do I need to do to fill my tank physically? Uh, what does it look like to eat right, to exercise regularly? What about my sleep patterns? What's the 24-hour period where I'm, I'm setting aside for rest and Sabbath? What do I need to do to fill my tank financially? Like financial pressure is real pressure. So maybe I need a little less house than I can afford. Maybe I don't borrow up to my limit. I certainly don't borrow beyond my limit. Maybe I need to drive a little less car than I can afford. Like what can I do financially today to create margin for tomorrow? And I think when you start to pay attention to all those areas, you start to build reserves. You start to live today in such a way that you can thrive tomorrow, whatever comes. I, I think that's one of the ways that we can combat burnout. I think that's one of the ways we can get on the other side of it. Here's how Jesus said it. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because when I'm plugged into him, when I'm pursuing him with all that is within me, Chances are, I'm not going to burn out in those areas. It's not the end all. It's not the be all. But if I'm plugged in and pursuing, loving, focusing on God with all that is within me, I think we'll get on the other side. I think we'll get through. And Carrie talks more about that in his book. I'd really recommend you check it out. But here, here's how I want to end today. Now, we're going to end with a song. Pastor Mark actually taught you guys this song last week, and um, it's, it's not necessarily a song that we're going to sing together. You feel free to sing it, but I actually wanted them to do this just to sing it over us. Um, I want to create a little bit of time. I want to create a little bit of margin, a little bit of space, because I, I understand once I say amen and you walk out those doors, you go right back into all the stuff. So I want to intentionally create some space. And it might be uncomfortable for you. You might not be sure what to do. But I'd encourage you to pray. I'd encourage you to reflect. I'd encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit what it is that he has for you that he's spoken to today. And, and maybe, maybe you're not in a place of burnout. Maybe you're not there today. Maybe you've never been there today. And if, if you're not, here's my encouragement to you. Elijah had an angel show up and be a blessing to him. Maybe it's praying through and thinking through your life to how you can be an angel to somebody else. How can you bring blessing? How can you bring rest to somebody that you know that may need it? But, but if, you, if you are there, if you like, oh my goodness, I identify with all 11 and you're dealing with burnout in your life, can I just remind you, I don't have all the answers, but I do want to remind you that you're in church. And it is not weird to pray for each other in church. It is not weird to ask somebody to pray for you in church. And so maybe your action step for this today is to lean over to your spouse, to lean over to your friend, to lean over to whoever you came with, and just ask them to pray for you doesn't have to be long. doesn't have to be elaborate. Just a quick prayer over them for them. Because I think, pray, no, I don't think, I know. Praying for each other 
is one of the ways we push back on darkness. And so maybe that's all you need to do today. So I'm done with the message. I, I don't think God's done yet. <laughs> so I want to spend some time processing. I want to spend some time praying, reflecting. And then whenever the team is done with a song, I'll come back up and I'll pray to end our time. So take advantage of this. Father in heaven, it is so comforting to know that people with anxiety and burnout and depression and fear will be a part of your kingdom. That there's nothing that can separate us from your love. But God, we also hear and we, we sense that you came to give us life and life abundant. That starts here, it starts now. So Father, for those that are not sure what to do, can't really see a way through whatever it is that they're dealing with, I pray that your spirit would apply grace and truth to their hearts, to their minds, that they would turn to you, that they would see you for who you really are. And that there's more for them. Do you have more for them? That there's a journey ahead. Got to pray that as we leave this place, that those of us who, who aren't in that place would look, would pay attention, would see the people around us and know how to be the messenger, know how to be the angel that brings about comfort, that brings about rest, that brings about sustenance because we've got you, we can bring Jesus to them. God, this is, this is obviously something that affects so many more people that are just here in this place that are watching this online. God, I thank you for the other churches that are a part of this that want to be a part of bringing your name to these issues. God, I pray more than anything that you would bring about restoration, hope, and healing that you would show us how we can be a part of that. We love you, we thank you, and we give you praise because it is you who is doing the work. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us today. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. You're dismissed.